In today's show, I'm going to be joined by Mitch Casey. We're going to be answering questions that you guys have, talk about a player that he's excited about for the upcoming season, some thoughts from our mock draft that we did a couple of days ago as well. So, Michael Bolton. Oh, Michael? Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it. Indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com and at Yahoo Sports Australia. And you can find me on Twitter as always at RedRock underscore B-Ball and on Instagram at Locked On Fantasy Basketball. Thank you for making Locked On Fantasy Basketball your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds and lines than ever before. Bet Online is where the game starts. All right, we're going to be talking with Mitch Casey from the Ball Boys. You've seen him on this show before. You've seen his YouTube channel. I'm sure he's uh, he's all over the place doing fantasy stuff. So we're just going to answer a few questions, a general chat about fantasy from two Aussies. So pre- be prepared for the accents. Warney. Let's get it on, Gilly. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's bring him back in. Here he is. Mitch Casey is here back on the show. Mitch, welcome back. G'day, Josh. Good to be back on as always. Um, and I, I think we've got a bit of bit of discussion on the other mock draft that we had the other day. So uh, I'm keen to keen to get stuck into it today. Yeah, we'll chat a little bit about that. We did a mock draft. You were in that. There was you, me, six other fantasy analysts, and four of my Twitter followers jumped into that as well. A, uh, a mock draft. You would have seen it on the channel or you've heard the audio of it. But just a, address a couple of things or just some takeaways from that we'll get to. We'll talk about a player that you're pretty interested in this upcoming season as well as taking some questions that people threw our way. Let's actually, should I start with the mock draft here? Let's start with just talking a little bit about that um, mock draft from uh, a couple of days ago. Do you have any major takeaways from what you saw in in that mock draft? Um, Well, it was the first mock that I had done this season. So I was sort of, I think I said on on our podcast, um, I was sort of watching and learning and sort of getting some takeaways and seeing where people uh, went. Outside of a few crazy picks, I think like Akongu and and um, there was a few other really wild ones that took me by surprise. It, it kind of fell in line a little bit with sort of how I was seeing things happen. Um, I was surprised to see a couple of the older guys fall. I think Jimmy Butler yep. was someone who fell a little bit. Um, Draymond Green was one in the later rounds. Um, I think Kyle Lowry as well. So I think a lot of those older guys that maybe are a little bit less exciting seem to be falling in people's minds. But I think there's still a bit of value on those guys because I don't see a huge minutes drop off for for any of them. Um, That would be one major takeaway that I had. And then the other thing was just um, uh, just the, the, the builds of different teams are are interesting. I I think that there was a few different um, like punt, strategies going into the draft i, I really liked uh b-dubs punt free throw build team that he had when he when he drafted anthony davis uh with carl anthony towns and i also like adam's punt field goal um team that he he got he seemed to get a lot of value with the cell and and a few other guys um uh the guy who we're going to talk about soon jabari uh, smith jr sort of fit really nicely into his team so i think there was a few really strong punt teams that 
managed to get a lot of value uh, when they leaned really heavily into their punt strategies. Yeah, I tend to agree with you with the old the older guys. And the Jimmy Butler one was pretty surprising to me. Like he was like a second round player per game. We know that there's going to be a lot of issues with injuries with him. He's one of the guys that just consistently gets injured every year with lower body stuff. It just always happens to him. But him in the fourth round felt too far to me. I think he should go in the third round in most cases, if not second. I think Kyrie fell to pick, what is it, 15? I'm, I'm getting a little bit more interested in taking Kyrie somewhat earlier than that. But as I tweeted out the other day, I reckon there's 14 to 15 guys who you could consider first round players and you know, debating or obsessing over which one gets picked where. I don't think it matters a huge amount. It's why I'm tending to like maybe if I don't get a top one or top two pick, like if I pick 10, 11, 12, I feel like I could almost get two first rounders there. I can get yeah, Lamello, Lillard, LeBron, Towns, Trey, Halliburton, Davis, Irving, all those sort of guys, you can get two of those yeah. players, which I think is really good value. Um, you took Kevin Durant at pick seven in that draft. Yeah, um, I was surprised that he was there, to be honest. So uh, was I. And, and I said it on, on my show when I was recording. I said, wow, this is crazy. Like I, I would take Kevin Durant top four. I think he's in the mix for top two. And people go, how can you possibly have him that high? So there seems to be a lot of debate around him. There's a lot of debate around James Harden, who I'm saying I'd take top five, no worries. People go, no, nah, I wouldn't even consider him in the first round. Um, I, to me, that, that's that's a lot of value for those guys. So I was initially scared of picking in that middle of the first round, but if Harden and Durant are going to be there, I, f- I feel pretty good about those guys. Yeah, I think I think I agree with you in the way that I rank out the players, but it, it will be interesting to see the closer we get to drafts and the ADP data becomes a bit more clear, like where those kind of guys are falling like if Durant is a mid first round guy well then sign me up like let's go for it but if it is gonna turn into what I think it should be where he's a top four guy um, well then I'm, I'm in agreement with you I'd rather be at the back end of the, the the first round and and you know as soon as it gets to the second round I'm happy to take Kyrie Irving because yep. I, I just want to have a nice solid first round pick that I can rely on and then as soon as I've got that well then Kyrie whatever you give me is is bonus and you know he's not actually carrying an injury he's not actually someone who we have to worry about you know it's just he always finds a way to miss games but there's every chance that in a contract year these miraculous weird things just suddenly go away and um you know he says he's doing things differently this year Uh, maybe that just means he's on the court so uh we'll see Last year was also a contract year for him. He played 27 games. So I'm not sure that's going to have too much of an impact on Kyrie. And he got fined millions and millions of dollars. So I'm not sure the money is a huge motivator for him at this stage. But who knows? Maybe he has changed. We will see. Um, people were pretty critical of some of my picks. And that's going to, always going to happen. They hated that I picked Desmond Bain ahead of De'Aaron Fox and Jalen Brown. Even though Desmond Bain was ranked ahead of both De'Aaron Fox and Jalen Brown last season. I think... Yeah, and Bain played under 30 minutes. I think he's got scope to go higher. I get it. Like, I probably should have taken someone like Fox. I was trying to lean away from point guards, and I wanted a little bit more boost to my field goal percentage. That's why I took Bain there. But, you know, I can always relitigate stuff. But I think one of the points I want to get across here with this mock before we move on to other stuff, Mitch, is that unless, yeah, there are picks, and not not to shit on people who t- took these picks. Like, I think taking a Nyeka or Kongwu in round seven, like, you prob- no one would have picked him until round 10, 11, I think. I, I, don't th- I think that's losing a lot of value. But... If someone goes three spots ahead of somebody else, like we just don't know how this stuff is going to pan out and you're making sort of educated guesses. I don't think it matters. Like if Kawhi Leonard goes at the end of the second versus the middle of the second, it's not egregious that he falls to that spot. Like we, no one can predict the exact spot someone's going to finish. It's just not going to happen. So 
I think you're making sure it makes sense with what you're doing with your team and it's not something where you could have got a guy 60 spots later. Um, I, I just think we obsess a little bit too much over this guy should have gone before this guy. When in the end, I don't really think that's something that we need to get hung up on too much. Yeah, as long as as long as the logic you're using is sound, that like you're constructing a, a, a good team, and um, you know if he goes six, ten, twelve spots ahead of where someone else might take him, then, then who cares? So as long as it makes sense for your team, I think um, just get your guy um, and and get your guy the the most amount of value you can, and and in a draft like that where there's lots of smart switched on analysts, um, then you know you might have to go a little bit earlier. Um, not 60 spots in a Kongu's case, but a yeah. little bit earlier than maybe you would in other drafts. Yeah, look, you know, I, I, I went back and watched your video on the mock draft and you were critical of my Bane pick and that's and that's fine. You're going, I'm not sure how that makes sense. And you, to be honest, if I had already done it, I probably would have gone with Jalen Brown instead of him, but but whatever. I don't think it makes that big of a difference. Much like, you know, when you picked Dorian Finney-Smith in round 13, I went, oh, I'm not sure there's much upside in, in that selection, but who cares? Like, it, you, you, we, we take flies. We have we have different ideas on how these guys are going to pan out, and it's it's nothing. It's not like you're taking um, Josh Jackson, who just got signed by the Raptors today in round ten, and going, "Oh, I really believe Josh Jackson's going to fire up." Well, that's just insane. Or someone who told me in the YouTube comments the other day that Scotty Barnes was going to average twenty points, eight rebounds, five assists, and three steals this season. I, I, I calm down. Like that that stuff's not going to happen. But the other stuff, there's all plausibility with the way this stuff can can happen. But you, I, I asked everyone, I had Dan on last or two weeks ago, talked about, you know, what's a player who you're a little bit high on? He said, Brandon Clark. So I asked you and he said, it's you know, probably Jabari Smith Jr. And I looked at this mock draft and Jabari went as the first rookie, obviously no chip. He went at the start of round seven, pick four in round seven with Adam picking him there. I was hopeful to get Jabari back on the, the next round. I was debating him where I took Franz Wagner at... Uh, third pick in seven round, seventh round. I was going to take Jabari there. And I thought, oh, he'll probably fall to me back in round eight. He didn't. So talk us through, like, what's the what's the sales pitch here on Jabari Smith for this season? And, you know, where he went here, do you think he should go higher than this? Um, I can't remember exactly, like, what pick he went, but I know that when Adam took him, he was someone I was hoping would fall to me at that spot. I He went at 76. The reason I... What, well, sorry? He went, he went at 76. 76. Yeah, I'd, I'd probably still be happy to draft him maybe if it was a super competitive league, maybe five, ten spots earlier than that. I just think that if, in my, in my opinion, he's going to be the best fantasy rookie this season. I think he's going a bit underrated um, because of his summer league performance, because of the hype surrounding Paolo Banquero. Um, he was the third pick when originally he was going to be the first in the lead up to the draft. So there's like this perception, I believe, of his value kind of falling, but he's got a really, really friendly fantasy game um, outside of the field goal percentage, which I think might be a little bit rough. Um, but if you punt that category, I see top 50 upside with with him. He's going to give you high volume of threes. He's going to give you um, good rebounds. He'll give you close to a steal and a block per game. The free throw percentage should be pretty nice. Um, the point should be, I think in the mid to high teens in his rookie year with a lot of attention going towards Jalen Green. I think he just landed in a really, really good situation for him. Um, much better situation than if he would have been drafted at Orlando. And I think in Yahoo's rankings, their most recent update, he's like in the 90s. Yeah, I think he's ranked 96. Behind a, yeah, behind a Keegan Murray, behind yep. a Paolo Bonadero. Yep. Um, and I just, I just see way more upside in him compared to those other guys because... Uh, yeah, his his fantasy game is just much more friendly, um, and it's an easy punt strategy with him as well. 
he does have a very fantasy friendly game. And when you said you think he's going to be the most fantasy friendly rookie, I went, ah, I'm not sure about that. Then I went and looked at my own projections and I have him projected as the number one fantasy rookie. So there you go. Um, I have him slightly ahead of Paolo. I think Paolo, I've got Paolo projected to average 16 points. I think he, I think Paolo could push to 20. I'm not sure that Jabari could. And so that, but look, I think they're really close. If Paolo is going to go ahead of him in most cases, um, but I, I don't have a problem with Jabari going there. So I actually have Jabari projected a 76th, and he went a 76th in this mock draft. So it was actually bang on. But his Yahoo ADP is actually sitting at 128 because they had him ranked at like 480th or whatever it was, or 270th or something. Crazy before they made that update. So he's an interesting player. You're right, his steals and blocks are going to be good. Rebounds are going to be good. Good three-point volume. Pretty good free throws. Um, you're going to have to worry about efficiency because he was pretty poor with his two-point shooting last season at Auburn as well. But he is an interesting guy. And I think, yeah, it's always... And I'm going to talk to Alex Raclean on this show at some point because he hates drafting rookies. We'll never draft one in the top 100. And I think... I'll argue this with him, but I think we've proven a little bit over the last few years, Mitch, is that there's going to be multiple rookies that finish in the in the top 100. And once we get outside this top 50, top 60 range, I've got no problem with taking flyers. on like, this is the range that I was taking Lamelo Ball in his rookie season, you know, Cade Cunningham in his rookie season. And, and I've, I just don't have any problem taking guys at, at this spot. Yeah, historically, the best rookies are always those big guys who can block shots yep. and shoot a decent free throw percentage. Towns, um, you know, you yeah, Towns, Porzingis, Anthony Davis. Yep. I'm pretty sure Towns was like a first rounder in his rookie year. It's pretty year, close, very to it. close. Yeah, Davis was like a second or third round pick. So these guys and and Chet would have been something similar had he obviously not injured himself. So it's not unheard of to see these rookies have great um, seasons and and players like Apollo and a Jabari uh, fit that mold very similar. It's it's the guards that really usually struggle with um, you know high turnovers, high uh, sorry poor field goal percentages. Yeah. It's like Jaden Ivey. Yeah, it's harder for them to adjust to the league, in my opinion. Um, whereas sometimes it seems like the narrative is the opposite, that the big guys are slower. Um, I think evidence actually shows that it's more the guards that struggle, especially if they don't have those high steal and block numbers to boost their value. Yeah, that's why I'm worried about someone like a Benedict Matherin, because like, if you don't score, like, what are you doing? Like, you're Jalen Green, the 300th best player for the first four months of last season. He's not as good as Jalen Green. Like, is he, um, you know, any... Jaden is going to be a similar boat. Like, I think you t- take them with your last pick, but... I reckon they'll be droppable almost first week and you won't want to pick them back up until February is usually the way that sort of goes with those sorts of players. We're going to talk a few more questions in a second. Mitch, before I do that, I'm going to tell you guys that BetOnline is your number one source for all pro and college football betting needs and sports info this season. College football is actually starting for real. Coming up in a couple of days, so you can find all of the latest football league developments, game matchups, news, podcasts, including this year's or this year's opening week games. NFL next week, college football this week. BetOnline is also your continued source for your sports wagering information, including live betting, esports, and scores. Mitch, do you have an NFL team that you support? Well, I'm a Celtics fan, so I kind of sort of half support the Patriots, although I I struggle to get up at 4 o'clock in the morning every Monday to watch games. But yeah, the Patriots would be my team. Well, I think... The Patriots, well, not I think, I know. Week one, the Patriots are playing my Miami Dolphins, and that is at 3 a.m. our time. So, yeah, I won't be getting up to watch that. But uh, the Dolphins are actually favored <laughs> by three points against the Patriots, which is pretty wild. But you can check all of those odds. They're all up at Bet Online, And it's the fastest and easiest way to check in on all of your favorite sports, including Major League Baseball, the M- MMA, boxing, and golf. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and the action. Bet Online is where the game starts. Um, all right, question time. Someone asked this question. What is his name? I'll find it. It is... Should have had this prepared in advance. Anyway, the question is about centers. Mitch, someone who was outside the top 100 last season, who do you think 
is was outside the top 100 as a center last year who is clearly going to be inside it this season? Um, well, it's, it's hard to throw the clearly word around, but I think there's a, there's a couple of guys that um, I would be very comfortable drafting sort of close to that 100 or inside that 100. Um, two guys come to mind to me would be um, Nicholas Claxton. I'm really keen to see what he can do this season as the unquestioned starting center, uh, at least as the nets are constructed right now. Um, so as long as he's that starting guy, I think he clears that top 100 pretty easy with really good blocks, field goal percentage, rebounds, uh, and, and decent steal numbers as well. Um, the other guy, whilst I don't think he's strictly a center, but I think he's center eligible on Yahoo, uh, is uh, Jalen Smith. I think he should be a pretty safe top 100 guy uh, with Indiana already naming him as their starting power forward. So he's actually got really good rebound numbers, uh, can shoot some threes, blocks are pretty good percentages are nice as well so i think those guys were outside the top 100 last season and should be pretty comfortably in there um of course you've got a few other flyer types that you could throw in the mix that might get there um someone like a zubach could sneak into the top 100 value i don't although i don't know if there's much upside beyond that um someone who's wasn't ranked at all obviously uh walker kessler is yeah. someone that comes to mind uh, if he can get uh, minutes in the mid-20s. Uh, but there's there's a bit of value with centers late in the draft uh, and some flyer types. Okongwu um, is someone who could crack there if he gets the minutes, but I wouldn't be drafting him inside the top 100. Claxton was like 197th last season. Jalen Smith was 218. And I think both of those guys, Smith in particular, I think he's going to be a clear top 100 guy. Claxton, I think, is going to be sort of on the borderline. I actually got a question about Claxton coming next after this. But to me, the obvious one, I'm surprised you didn't say it, Mitch, considering how upset you were you didn't get him in our mock draft the other day. Uh, Alperen Shangun. Oh, yes. Is, that's I, that's I, an easy one, I think. Like He's clearly yeah, top 100. So far in the 100 for me that I didn't even consider him. Um, now, he was ranked at a crazy 150 on Yahoo. He's now into 69 because they go too hard on, on things sometimes. I still, still still think at 69 there's value in him, but I can see okay. that, that ADP is at 104. It's going to keep coming in. It's going to keep coming in, and he's going to turn into guys like that we would love to take in a last round. Like Josh Giddy was one of those guys last season that, you know, take him in the last round. Then his ADP starts coming into like 90 and you go, oh, maybe it's getting too close. Darius Baisley, take him as a last round flyer. Then he started getting drafted in the 70s. Like, I don't want anything to do with that. I'm not sure Shangun's the same as that, but I worry that people are going to start grabbing him up in round four because you know, they go, oh, I've got to get him. He's the sleeper guy. And sleepers are only sleepers if you get them at value. Otherwise, they just become like every other player. And I think him in that fifth, sixth round, seventh round is totally understandable. But I think we've got to really be careful that it doesn't push to early fifth round or to fourth round in particular. Yeah, it reminds me of a few years ago when Mitchell Robinson was oh, like yeah. all the rage. And he was like, oh, we're taking him. I think he got moved as high as like pick 25 or something like that crazy when we all were so excited about his block numbers, but he'd never actually done anything yet. Um, so if it ever becomes a situation like that, that's where I'll push um, against. In the mock draft the other day we did, I was considering um, Valanciunas and um, Shengun. I ended up just going with Valanciunas more because I was... Um, I had a couple of riskier picks with Lonzo, I think, the, the round before. I had Duran on my team. So I wanted something just a little bit safer. But in that kind of range, if you wanted a big guy that maybe gave you a bit more value in assists or, or, or steals and blocks, then like a Valanciunas, I could definitely see the argument for taking um, Shengun over that kind of a player. And to me, they're around that like 60 to 70 kind of range. So um, when you start to get to that top 50 zone, that's where I start to go, oh, there's some more proven talent there that I'd rather take. 
Yeah, I don't think I'd be... There's no way I'd be taking Shingun in the top 50, I don't think. We'll see what things happen. I think if I can get him in round six or round seven, I'd be okay with it. And there's still room for him to improve from there. But I feel pretty confident that he's going to bring at least that level of value back for this upcoming season. We've got, we do have another question about Claxton, which we are going to get to in a second. Uh, Mitch, before we do that, though, um, if you're, this is a, a, an announcement from... Who's it from? N- NHTSA. They're saying, are you one of those people who thinks that it's okay to drive stoned? What's the worst that can happen? You end up driving below the speed limit. It's no big deal, right? Or wrong. The truth is your reaction times slow way down when you're high. You not only put yourself in danger, but everyone around you. Talk about a buzzkill. Man, this is... This this has got real fellow kids energy. Stop kidding yourself. It's not okay to drive high. If you've been using marijuana in any form, do not get behind the wheel. If you feel different, you drive different. Drive high, get a DUI. It's a community service announcement. All right, let's um, let's talk about Claxton. Someone asked a question saying, can he succeed playing next to Ben Simmons? Which I think is an interesting question because people look at that and they go, well, both of those guys can't shoot, which, which is clearly true. Can he succeed next to Simmons? There is There are situations where you can have two guys who don't shoot on a court if your three other guys are elite shooters and those three other guys are unbelievably elite shooters. Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, and then take your pick. Is it Seth Curry or is it Joe Harris? Like These are three 40% three-point shooting players, if not higher. I think it yep. can work, but also... The other center on this roster is A, Markeith Morris, who is cooked. Like, he's done. He's wrecked. He's not a good player anymore. He's got this neck problem. And the other guy is Dayron Sharp. Claxton's going to have to play. And they might stretch, you know, space him out between Simmons, like, so they don't play together too much. But I think just given the talent of those other guys around those two, that I think they will be able to make that succeed. I think so too, especially the fact that Ben Simmons is not um, like he's not another big. He's he's going to be the guy that has the ball in his hands. They'll be running pick and roll with him and Claxton, so Claxton can be that lob threat. Ben Simmons is going to be that penetration threat. So he's not some like seven foot oaf that's just kind of lumbering around taking up space in the paint. He's still going to be someone that you're going to have to pay attention to. He's a great cutter. They're both great cutters, and and Claxton is definitely a vertical lob threat as well. And um, the only thing that I would maybe be a little bit cautious of with Claxton is if, for example, the Nets are finding that it isn't working um, and, you know, they've got something from Durant to say that he's going to stay with the team and they're looking competitive, they might make a move at the trade deadline or sign someone to challenge Nick Claxton's minutes. Um, but like you said at the moment, he's by far and away the the only capable starting sensor on this team in my opinion he's going to be forced at least to minutes in the high 20s um, but I just wouldn't necessarily just lock him into that spot for the whole season um, if, if I could he would push even higher on my rankings but I think there's just that little doubt in the back of my mind that they haven't really wanted to use Claxon 30 plus minutes a night so if they are looking to make a move, that could that could change his role. Yeah, I don't think he's getting 30. I've got him projected below that. I, I think there's more of a chance he plays 30 than he plays 20, though. Um, yeah, I, I think he's more likely to be 26, 27 around that area. There's some minutes for Sharp. Simmons will play at center somewhat. You'll see Morris get some minutes at center. And yeah, look, guys like... But the, look, there are guys available. Blake Griffin, LaMarcus Aldridge, who they went with last season, didn't work, uh, are available. Tristan Thompson, I'm not sure he's good anymore. The only guy out there who I look at and go, hmm, okay, maybe is Hassan Whiteside, who 
was solid enough in his role in Utah last season. Still not signed anywhere. Obviously, there is some real dickhead energy with him, and perhaps that's why he hasn't been signed. I don't know that for sure, but we, we've seen issues with him in locker rooms in the past. He'd be the only guy that if they signed him, I'd go, okay, um, I might be out on Claxon here because I could see yeah, 25, 21 minutes split, and that, that limits both of those guys, and Whiteside could easily take over. But you know, if Thompson goes there or Aldridge returns, I'm not all that worried about those guys, but Whiteside would be the guy that I'm a little bit worried about. Yeah, I'm more, I'm more probably thinking in like a trade scenario, like say Kevin Durant is traded at the deadline and and you get someone like a DeAndre Ayton or something like that yep. come back in, in, a, in a deal, then that's like the only scenario that I can see that the guy you drafted thinking he's going to be the starting center for the whole season becomes up. You know, becomes a, a backup, but that's like a, a very small percentage chance. So I wouldn't let it affect me too much, but I just keep it in the back of my mind. He's 112. Claxon is on Yahoo. He's 274 on ESPN. Lol. He's um, 130th ADP on Fantrax. So look, we're talking about around 11, round 12 sort of a player, which how many of those guys that you draft there, Mitch, they just end up kicking out on their ass after two weeks anyway. So uh, yeah, if if by February he's given you top 80 numbers and then you have to get rid of him, like, oh, well, like you got so much value out of him at that spot, I don't think I'd worry too much about that sort of thing. Now, this is a question. Whenever I ask a question, Mitch, about oh, what questions you want to ask us, we're here. It's always going to be about punting. Talked to Dan about it the other day. I'm going to talk to you about it as well. But I, I do, again, want to stress that I think people just... I love punting. I think it's a really successful f- um, formula for winning in head-to-head. I think it's one, you know one of the things that helps insulate you against um, form slumps and injuries and games played discrepancies. But I think people really, really misunderstand it a lot at times. And people always ask this: you know, what is your favorite punt? When is the best time to punt? Should you do it before or after your first two or three picks? Um, people will be like, well, you're already punting free throw, so make sure you draft all bad free throw guys. And what I need to yeah, really stress here is that I don't think there's you know, a correct answer. This is the category you must punt. I don't think there is. It's all about value and the timing of picks. And don't be afraid to pivot during the draft as well. Like if something's happened, you go, well, shit, well, now I'm going to lean into a punt. Like I think the way the B-Dub did in that draft where he had Anthony Davis, which you can recover from, but they saw oh, Ben Simmons is there, so I'm grabbing him. So, all right, now we're not winning it. So, you know, six picks in, we moved into it. But you could also say, I'm taking Giannis and I'm taking Zion in round three. So I know that I'm going to punt free throws and that's totally fine. Or you can punt other categories. I think people just get really focused on it. But also, Mitch, it's not about trying to be as bad as possible. You can punt free throws. Yeah. Like my team wasn't that mock draft. My team, I think, projected at 75.5%, which is not horrendous like it's not it's not 65 like it's not probably going to win most weeks but it's not disgustingly bad it's just that i don't care what happens in that category if i win or I lose i don't care it just is not it's not important to me and i'm not focusing my energy on that category so if i draft someone with high free throws it doesn't mean i've failed in punting free throws and i think that we just people need to understand that difference in the yeah, the description of, of what punting is and understanding that there is no one category or one scenario that wins. There is no one category that you punt that's the best. It's all about doing it right and doing it at the right spot. Yeah, I, I think I have a, maybe a, I, I agree for the most part. I have a slightly different opinion. I, I don't know if all punt strategies are created equal, however, um, we've done a, a, a recent sort of a mini series on punting in, on our podcast where we sort of discuss, well, I discuss my favorite punts and then my least favorite punts. Um, I think that 
there are inherently there is more value to be found when you punt a category like field goal percentage or free throw percentage compared to something like a punt rebounds or a punt steals because you, you can have someone who is just infinitely bad at a field goal percentage or a free throw percentage that's, because that's you true. know it's yeah, it, you can you can negatively affect that category, yep. um, you know, and you can also positively affect. Whereas if you get zero steals, you're not negatively affecting what you've already contributed to that category. So I think for that reason, those percentage categories are, are really popular, um, but they're really popular for a reason because I think you get the biggest changes in value when you punt those categories. Like you get someone back in the day when it was DeAndre Jordan or Andre Drummond, they were nine nine category ranks like outside the 100 but as soon as you turn that punt on they rock it up to sort of top 30 or 25 um, because that category was such a large negative that it changed their value completely um, so for me I think that I usually try to it, depending on the first couple of picks um, I try to establish my punt strategy early on I don't go into a, a draft going I'm going to punt this I'm going to punt that because it depends on who falls for me like I, I took Kevin Durant at seven not expecting him to be there um, so it wouldn't really make sense for me to punt uh, a field goal percentage because he's really good in that category so I ended up going with a bit of a defensive stats punt with steals and and, and a little bit of blocks um, where I just wasn't kind of worrying about that as much um, but if I had someone like uh, a Giannis, I would definitely lean into that that free throw percentage punt a bit more because you know players will increase in value. Um, not to say that I'm looking for every bad free throw percentage guy, like you said, but it just naturally does boost those guys that have good stats outside of that poor category. So someone like a Darren Fox, um, you know, his poor free throw percentage weighs his value down, but he still gives you great points, assists, steals. Uh, field goal percentage for a point guard is really good. So that's just the way I think about it. Some categories that I don't like to punt are steals, rebounds, and I'm a bit on the fence about um, assists as well. Um, I can see arguments for and against, but just because I find that y your range of like steals, for example, you can either get like half a steal or two. Like y y y there's such a small window there. So the, the value created from that punt is not as good as like a field goal percentage kind of thing. We could probably talk about this for an hour, but the the, the <laughs> re rebounds, I agree. I think I think rebounds is one that I never even consider. It's it's basically impossible to isolate that category. Um, the assist one, I actually think there's a lot of value in punting assists because we know that point guards drop off significantly. So when people are chasing those things, you can just stack up other categories and then grab you know someone to fill that position later on. I think that's that's a possibility. But on the steals one, I'm going to do a show on this, I think, tomorrow, talking about year-on-year -year statistical correlation in terms of you know, if a player does one thing, like how does that number translate across to the next year? And the number that translated the least that had the least correlation was steals. So year-to-year yeah. -year similarity between steals was the lowest out of every category. And you're right. I make this... And this is why when I put my rankings and projections in, I like to downweight those low-volume categories, steals, blocks, and threes. Because as you said, if you play four games during the week and get four steals, that's one steal per game. Actually a below-average number, right? But yeah. if, you, if all you do... In, there's four games to say there's 100 possessions in every game. It's 400 possessions across four, uh, across a week of basketball. If you get two steals extra that week, that's two plays out of 400 possessions 
let's let's make it 200 positions because it's you know steals are obviously happening when you're on defense so it's two plays out of 200 possessions during the week and you get two steals there your steals go up from one per game to 1.5 and it probably bumps your ranking 40 50 spots but it's completely fluky it's a, it's a one one percent of the time you're on the court one thing happens and it's such a massive modifier that if you didn't get your hand on that ball on one of those two extra steals then like it doesn't look anywhere near as good. So we, we can look at these numbers and go, well, 1.5 steals, that's great. And one steals is bad, but that, it's, it's, it's just nothing. It's two plays over the course of a week that actually make someone become great or someone become bad. And that's why like I have skepticism about DeJounte Murray who had a career high in steals or Gary Trent who had over two steals per game. Like they might go from two steals to 1.4 steals. And that might mean a, a difference of 15 steals over the course of the season. But you know, looking at their overall numbers, it changes so much. So given the volatility in steals, like I think punting, which, are, you know, when you do have Durant, that's a great way to start off. Like you just, that's one of the things you just don't know how it's going to go. And it can just change wildly day to day, week to week, year to year. There's so much volatility in steel numbers that trying to focus, hyper-focus in on steals, maybe it doesn't work that well because of that volatility. Yeah, yeah. And then you also start to talk about like um, statistical scarcity, whereas like a, a category like steals, if we focus there, you can find yeah. uh, an elite steals guy very late in the draft, but you can't find an elite points guy or an elite free throw percentage uh, influencer late in, in drafts because yeah, it just doesn't happen. The, the best players influence those categories. So yeah. it is a, a category you can stream a little bit easier. So um, that's why I think that like free throw percentage is such a, a good category to punt because if you don't get it early, you just you're just not getting it, um, and and so that's when you just you know throw your hands up, go okay, cool, I'm not worrying about it, and I'm gonna continue to while everyone else is looking after their free throws, I, I don't give a crap, <laughs> and I'm just gonna yeah. keep drafting Gobert and all these other guys Zion in the fourth round and get some awesome value. Yeah, and that's yeah, you know, that's sort of how I did anyway. I had Giannis, I had Zion, I probably should have taken Gobert uh, instead of Rob Williams, but you know it, he's not the greatest free throw shooter there. But yeah, steals influence it changes the stuff so much. Like if you just get big steals, your yeah. ranking goes up and people are really you know beholden to what rank numbers are and that you know, you know herb jones was 50th if he used your know, totals like yeah that, that's cool it's because he averaged 1.7 steals and if he averages 1.3 still good then he's like 50 spots worse and he gives yeah. you nothing else in those other categories so you're really focusing on something that's got a ton of volatility and i'm going to do that show tomorrow but i thought it was interesting to um to, to note that i think you can be successful doing any punt again rebounds probably not there are certain things but it all depends on how you approach it as well if you like a punting free throws and there's extra value well i punted free throws and zion's the 12th best player so i'm going to take him at the end of the first round you go oh, I'm, that's that's not that's not value it's not no point in that it's about getting them at yeah. the right spots and making sure that things make uh, a little bit of sense like oh, i'm punting assists so therefore trey young becomes the 50th best player so maybe i'll get him at pick 50 like it, that stuff is not going to happen and you've got to sort of work it out through the flow of things Mitch, I reckon that'll, yeah, that's time up. I reckon that'll bring us to the end of this show today. Hope you guys enjoyed what we were um, what we were chatting about here. Mitch, tell us uh, what you got cooking at the moment. Yeah, so um, um, some exciting news. We've actually just launched um, our, a new website for the Ball Boys, uh, ballboysmba.com. Um, you can go check it out. Um, it's going to be basically a, a season guide, a, a new way for everyone to support our podcast and um, our YouTube channel. Um, you can sign up there for, for $10 and get our season guide. It's got all my rankings and a few articles and um, some, some fun little things that we'll be doing throughout the season. So that's a, a new project that I've been working on the last couple of months. So 
Um, go and check that one out if you guys are keen to hear my thoughts on uh, every single player that you'll be drafting this year. Um, but otherwise, um, Twitter, Ball Boys NBA, like you got on the screen there, and check out our channel. We've just um, finished up our minutes projection series, and uh, you can have a look at my uh, mock draft if you haven't already uh, to get my thoughts on the the same mock that Josh posted the other day. Yep, go check all of that stuff out that Mitch has got going, ballboysnba.com, the YouTube channel, all of his stuff. It's always great. Just support as many people as you possibly can across the fantasy basketball industry. Mitch, thank you for jumping on and having a chat with me. Thanks you for having me, Josh. I uh, appreciate it, man. Always, uh, always good to chat to you. And that will do it for me today. Don't forget to follow this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and on the Odyssey app here on YouTube. Thumb it up. Leave your comments down below, guys. We are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.